Hi, as you can tell, our sermon uh, today is done a little bit differently than we normally do. Usually I am uh, on the stage, on the platform at the church, and we're recording the church, uh, the, the worship service, and you're seeing that live, or as we do uh, present it live, that it's being recorded for playback at a later time. We found out during our service this morning that we were having a hard time. We were having some technical difficulties with our sound. And so we tried to repair it during the service and we were unable to get it to get it back online again, get everything right. And so we, in listening to it, decided it wasn't of the quality that we need to have. And so we decided to just erase that copy and, and recreate the service, the worship time and the, uh, the sermon time and put together a video so that you'll be able to have a time of worship this week uh, with your family or in your home. We have, uh, Brian has put together some, some music, some worship songs for you to worship God with. And then this time I'm recording in my home uh, the same message that I presented this morning during our our worship service and our worship time. If you are watching live on the live stream, uh, it'll be a little bit different because all of mine are. I'm, I'm kind of preaching as, as God leads me to do. But I wanna share with you basically the same gist of the message that we had this morning. Forever God is strong, 
God is with us forever, forever, forever. You know, every now and then I'm tempted to think how much easier it must have been to have courage and faith back when God was doing incredible miracles day in and day out for his people. Uh, but we do have one thing that they didn't. We have seen the coming of Jesus, and we have heard his promises about the end of this story. Nothing compares to the knowledge that God has come down to walk among us. Through this, he proved he's a personal God, one who cares about us individually and wants us to be with him for eternity. Uh, so as we face, face trials in this life, we do so with faith, looking back at the things that he's done and forward to the things he's promised to do. Jesus 
ready for you every heart longing for our king we sing even so come come lord jesus come jesus come even so
I'm I'm leading a a um, study during these during these days of of um, that I've entitled "Finding Certainty in an Uncertain World." We live in uncertain times, confusing times, where we have different messages from time to time about about what. Um, uh, what we should do and where we should go and what's going to happen and what's next and all of these things that are that are confusing to us and we want to find something just somebody tell me what I need to do and how I need to do it and when things are going to clear up and all those kinds of things so this series of messages to help you to navigate the, the tumultuous waters that we find ourselves in uh, in this in the world that we're in today and where it is that we can go to for some stability and for some wisdom and some guidance last week we presented the first of those uh, of those messages as we looked at the life of or at the leadership of Joshua when Joshua became the leader of Israel uh, taking over after the death of Moses. You may remember Moses led the children of Israel out of the out of Egypt, the bondage in Egypt, and he led them then through a period of 40 years in the wilderness where they were just kind of wandering uh, and kind of aimlessly, it seemed, uh, going through things. But God was taking care of them, was providing for them. And Moses was, through his leadership and through the guidance of God, was creating a nation out of these people. But when they got to the Jordan River and they could look over the, the Jordan and see the, the promised land, God determined that, it, that Joshua would be the one who would lead the people in, not Moses. Moses died, therefore, on that other side uh, of the Jordan River and God himself buried him. But Joshua now steps into the big shoes that Moses had filled and had to accomplish something that even Moses had not been able to do. Can you imagine the kind of pressure he must have been under? How difficult that must have been for him? How, uh, how hard it must have been for him uh, to step into those shoes and, and to feel that he could do anything. He had been Moses' right-hand man. He had been Moses' assistant. Um, he had learned a lot from Moses and God had taught him all the things that that uh, had that God himself had revealed to Moses on that mountain. And he, he had taught him how to be a leader, but, but jo uh, Joshua had never done that before. And so he was, he was, um, he felt intimidated to take over the, the reins from the, from the nation. And so God met with him. God said, Joshua, I want you to know and understand. Now this is my paraphrase, but God, Joshua, I want you to know and to understand that you don't have to go in and devise a battle plan. You don't have to go in and devise a scheme of how you're going to go from this city or that city uh, and take over the, uh, the, the kingdom. You don't have to do that. Here's what you have to do. Three things. First of all, be strong. Secondly, be courageous. And thirdly, follow where I lead. You see, Joshua, you don't have to have all the plans. You just follow. I've got the plans and I will lead you there if you'll follow me. Now, there's a message in that for us. Uh, we're, these are uncertain days for us. We've never been this way before. We've never done anything like, the, uh, faced anything like the things that we're facing today. 
But this isn't something that's over God's head. It's not above his pay grade. He can handle it. What he wants us to learn to do is instead of trying to find our own way and devise our own plan, God wants for us to follow him. And when we follow him, he'll lead us uh, through, the, through the very valley of the shadow of death, and we don't have to be afraid. Today, we're going to look at another aspect of finding certainty in an uncertain world, and we're going to do it from the book of Daniel, the Old Testament book of Daniel, and we're going to be looking today in Daniel chapter 3 at a very familiar story, one that I'm sure you've, you've heard, studied, colored pictures about, something like that throughout your lifetime. The story of three young men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember the guys who went into the fiery furnace and were not consumed. I want us to look at that story because there's such important, uh, such an important message for us and how to handle the, the, uh, the times that we're facing and the fears that the uncertainties bring. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are first introduced to us in chapter one of Daniel. <clears throat> the book of Daniel is largely about, about the life and the ministry of this young man named Daniel, who spent all of his adult years as a, as a slave, as a captive in Babylon. In 605 BC, the new king Nebuchadnezzar came and conquered the land of Judah. That's where, that's where uh, Daniel was, and it says... History tells us that they, he took a group uh, out uh, as captives from Judah back to Babylon to train them how to be Babylonians. He took, he took some of the, the young men of the royal family or the priestly family, uh, <clears throat> those who, who were in positions of, of leadership and influence, who were highly educated and, and capable of learning new things. And he took them back with him to the area of, of Babylon where he lived. And he, um, he was going to train these young men to, be, uh, to become Babylonians or to become Chaldeans. <clears throat> Among them, in addition to Daniel, were these three young men named, their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they, uh, they were probably in their early teens, maybe 13 or 14 years of age, when they were taken out uh, of, of Judah and taken into captivity. That'd be a, that'd be a tough thing, uh, to be a young man that age, to be living in a place 500 miles from home and a different culture and a different climate and be there as slaves in that land. Uh, but that's where they were, and they were being trained to be Chaldeans, to become the young philosophers and the, the men of wisdom and astronomy and all of those things that these Babylonians were, uh, were a part of. Well, they, uh, uh, they, we see them growing up. Their position, they're put into a position of leadership within the, uh, within the kingdom because they demonstrate unusual quality and, and, and uncharacteristic maturity in their uh, in their work and in their wisdom. So um, Nebuchadnezzar puts them into a position of authority within his, uh, within his administration. In Daniel chapter 2, uh, the king has been king of, of Babylon now, Nebuchadnezzar has, for a period of, it was his second year, so for 
after his first year, he's now in his second year. And that also means that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were also in their second year of captivity. <clears throat> Daniel uh, uh, had been placed by Nebuchadnezzar also in a position of leadership. And Nebuchadnezzar is, uh, we find in Daniel chapter 2, is, is having a difficult time sleeping at night. There is such... Um, <clears throat> There is such turmoil in his mind. What's going to happen to the kingdom? Where, uh, where, does, uh, where do things go from here? Uh, and so he was worried, and he began to have these dreams during the night that kept him awake. So he gathered together all of his Chaldeans, all of his, uh, his leadership people, and his administration, his, his, um, uh, these wise men, these astronomers, and he brought them together and he said, I'm, I'm not able to sleep at night and I'm, because I'm having dreams and I, and I want you to tell me what the dreams mean. They say to him, okay, king, tell us the dream. We'll tell you what it means. Nebuchadnezzar looked at them and he says, no, we're going to do this a different way. You tell me the dream and then tell me what it means. They say, king, nobody can do that. Nobody can know what another, no man can know and understand what another man dreams. Tell us the dream and then we'll tell you what it means. Because only God himself would be able to know another person's dreams. And he said, well, you guys are going to have to figure it out. And you're going to have to tell me what my dream is and also what my dream means. If you don't, I'm going to annihilate you. I'm going to destroy your family and your home and and you're going to you're going to wish that you could and so <clears throat> Daniel is not among the group that's there <clears throat> but he finds out about what's going on and so he uh he's he is capable of of interpreting dreams and he tells the king king I really can't tell you what the dream is only God can do that but God can do that and tell me what it is, and then I can tell you what it means. And so Daniel interprets the dream. He talks, he, he, he tell, God tells him what the dream was about, that he's dreamed about this beast that has a golden head and, and all the different body features. <clears throat> and Daniel says, King, what this is, is God is giving you a glimpse, letting you see where history's headed. After your reign has ended, after your life is over, uh, your kingdom is going to be taken eventually by another kingdom. That kingdom was uh, historically the, the Medes and the Persians. And then after the Medes and the Persians reign for a while, the Greeks will come in under Alexander the Great, and they would become a, a massive empire filled with great authority and and they expand uh, um, just immensely throughout the land and then after the the kingdom of uh, of the Greeks has has passed they will be taken over by the Romans and the Romans will will rule the known world and they will be the the final kingdom that comes in before the Messiah comes and is introduced into the into the earth and so uh, this is the uh, this is the dream. This is what it means. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar was so pleased and so thrilled with 
with Daniel that he promoted Daniel to uh, to be one of his royal aides, to be one who was who was uh, right there at at, at uh, Nebuchadnezzar's right hand. Now we come to Daniel chapter three, and we're going to come back to to um, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we're going to uh, see what God does with them and how he's going to use them and how they're going to confront certain fears in their life by faith uh, that, they, that they have come to have. Um, in Daniel chapter 3, we find that King Nebuchadnezzar has built a massive statue, probably a statue of himself or an honor of himself or for himself in some way like that. The statue was 90 feet tall, approximately, and had a base, a stand that was some nine feet across. It would have been a big figure, a, 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 uh, a humongous accomplishment to build something of this, of this nature, but it also was overlaid in pure gold. And it was set up in a place called the Plain of Dura, and uh, this just outside the city of, of Babylon at some, some place. But you can imagine this statue as it st stands in the, in the plain of Dura and how the sun would glisten off that gold statue. Uh, and Nebuchadnezzar was proud of this. And he told all of his administration and all of his people that when the royal orchestra begins to play music, that's your cue. At that time, you are to fall down, bow down, and worship the statue. Worship the gods who have given him, Nebuchadnezzar, the strength and the, and the ability to be the world's leader. And so, uh, they, they, when it came time for the, for the music to play, the music played and almost everyone in the cabinet Everyone in the, in, the, uh, in the government fell down as the king had said, and they began to worship Nebuchadnezzar and the gods that had raised Nebuchadnezzar up. All that is except for these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so when, uh, when the other uh, Chaldeans, the Babylonians, find out about uh, about. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they make a beeline to, uh, to Nebuchadnezzar's throne and let him know that there are some who are disregarding his, uh, his orders to fall down and to worship the beast. Well, Nebuchadnezzar's not real happy about that. And so he says, he says who is it? And he says, it's the Hebrews, the ones that you have put into positions over them. And, uh, and, and, and so he says, he says, they're not bowing down when the music starts. They need to be dealt with. How can someone disregard an order and an edict from the king and still live? And so Nebuchadnezzar becomes upset with them and he sins for them. And he says, listen, you're, I, I like you guys. Now this again is my paraphrase. I like you guys and I want you to, uh, to do well. But here's the problem. You have to fall down and worship. And if you'll do this when the music starts, if you'll do this, uh, fall down and worship the king, everything's going to be well and good. 
But if you don't, it's not going to turn out well for you. And I want you to be uh, familiar today with, with that story and hear the words from Daniel chapter 3. So I'll read them and I hope you find them in your, in your Bible uh, as well. I'm going to begin reading at verse 13 in Daniel chapter 3 and we'll read down several verses. <clears throat> then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should be brought, should be brought before him. So they brought these men before the king. <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, O, Shad o Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? <clears throat> now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down uh, and worship the image that I've made, well and good, everything will be fine. But if you don't, if you don't worship, you will immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Now, it's very possible that they're out where the, where the statue is when this, is, when this encounter is taking place. And maybe it's just been finished, and and uh, some have suggested that the furnace was uh, was the uh, furnace that was out there as part of the construction, where the uh, the elements, the the iron and the gold, would be heated until it becomes liquid, and uh, and that it was a part of the construction. Maybe it was it was an oven that was used to fire bricks. Uh, but it was a, it was a part, it, it probably was part of the construction of this statue. And so he says, he says to them, if you don't fall down and worship, I will put you into that fiery furnace. <clears throat> and then he says, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Literally, it says there, what kind of God is able to get you out of this? How is, show me a God who can, who can meet up with the fiery furnace. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16 says, answered the king and they said to him, O king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Now that wasn't a term of disrespect. It wasn't, a, I'm not going to tell you. Instead, it was a, 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 a response that is respectful and says, king, I understand, we understand the position you're in and what you're going to have to do. We want you to understand our position. And we want, we're not going to make a, come up with a flimsy defense here. We're going to just tell you where we are. We cannot bow down and worship you or worship your gods. We must worship the one true God. And so uh, we're kind of at a, at a standstill here. You're where you have to be. We're where we have to be. And we're just not going to compromise, and we know that you're not either. Now, we want you to know and understand this, O king, verse 17. If this be so, the God whom we serve, he is able to deliver us from the burning, burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us then out of your hand, O king. Then verse 18 is one of the strongest statements of faith in all of the Bible. It says, but even if not, even if he doesn't, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnaces to be 
heated seven times more than it was usually heated. He ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, or their turbans, and their other garments, <clears throat> and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace, bound up, wearing the clothes that would probably, in that kind of heat, immediately ignite and personally then apply the fire to the bodies of these men. Because it was the king's order and it was urgent, the furnace had been heated, in fact, was overheated, verse 22 says, and the flame of the fire that from that furnace killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those, those in, in um, Nebuchadnezzar's army who had bound these men up. When they opened the door, the flame leapt out and it consumed them. It killed those soldiers, but not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <clears throat> these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. Uh, and, um, excuse me, I've lost my, my place here. Now that's where I want you to, to take up with me in, in thinking about the story. They're being thrown into the furnace in just a moment. We're going to read a little bit further down in that chapter. But I want you, I want to make a couple of observations about <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and why it fits into our lives today. The first thing that comes to my mind is that they found themselves in an intimidating situation. They were, it, it had to be overwhelmingly intimidating for these 14, 15 year old kids who are living far away from home to be standing before the king of the world. Not only that, but they are being confronted with a life and death choice. What are they going to do? They found themselves being highly intimidated by what it was that they're facing. Listen, as far as they knew, <clears throat> unless God delivered them, there was absolutely no way they would be able to withstand what they were getting ready to go through. They believed that God could. In fact, that's what they told the king. We believe God can deliver us. We don't know if he will or not, but we believe that he can. And so, they are being asked to put their faith into action. They found themselves in an intimidating situation. <clears throat> and it had to, that had to uh, create a, an uncertainty that had to, especially at this point, just pound at their heart. But what if God doesn't? This means we're going to die. This means this is going to be it for us. Their fear had to be swelling up because they didn't know what was going to happen next. Seems kind of the way the world that we live in uh, is facing things in, in today's marketplace, in today's, uh, in today's world. It's, it's a difficult time and fear can grip us, can choke us, can strangle us. And their, their fear of the uncertain and of the unknown had to put them into high anxiety levels. <clears throat> so what do they do? They're in an intimidating situation. They're uncertain as to what's going to happen next, and that's frightening to anyone. 
they made a choice. <clears throat> they made a choice to overcome their fears with their faith. Their choice was, even if God doesn't see us through, deliver us from this furnace, we know he'll see us all the way through it. We will still trust him. We will still uh, follow him and we will still uh, see him as our people, as our God. And we won't trade him for another. Um, now, what happened next, you know. Uh, the Bible is going to tell us in the next verses that uh, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar is going to look down into the furnace and he's going to say, didn't we throw three men into the furnace? But when I look, I see four men walking around unharmed and the fourth one looks like the son, like a son of the gods. And so he's, he, uh, uh, he calls for, uh, for, uh, Nebuchadnezzar calls for uh, for Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego to come out of the out of the furnace. Surely they're dead now. The army, the men of the army, had died instantly, and they've had enough time. And here's what I want you to see before I read the verse: that their faith in God led them safely through the furnace. I want you to know from this story, they don't they did not avoid the furnace. They went through the furnace. Um, and I want to make sure as I, as I share this message with you that I make clear this point. Faith in God is not going to keep you from fiery furnaces. Bad things are going to happen to us. Uh, bad, bad times are going, to, are going to come our way. Death may even come our way. Somebody that you know and love may, may catch the coronavirus. Somebody may not make it through it. Uh, and God promises not that we will be, be able to avoid um, the, the problems or the, or the pains of this world, but he promises that you will be seen safely through them. I remember in Psalms chapter 23 that David talked about, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear because you're with me, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. And then he says, uh, and at the end of seeing me through all of these things, then I know I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So his faith, David's faith was going to see him through the valley of the shadow of death. And then he would come out on the other side. Same thing with these men. They knew and they understood that their faith in God was going to lead them safely through the furnace. And I want you to see what happens when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out of the furnace. Verse 26 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors, those were all persons of, of administration within the king's um, within the king's administration uh, they saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men the hair of their heads was not singed their cloaks were not harmed no smell of the fire had come upon them that's it's amazing 
what happened when they, uh, when they came out of the fire. The people were amazed. But there was one thing that was consumed, one thing that was burnt up in the flames. Their clothes were not. The men were not. Their hair was not. They didn't even get smoke smell on them. But you remember when they were cast in, they were cast bound, that the soldiers had tied their hands and their arms. And when they came out, they were free. Only the fetters, only those things that had bound them had been consumed in the fire because they chose to follow their faith rather than follow their fears. God had seen them <clears throat> safely through. Now listen, that's not just a story that God tells us so the kids can study that in vacation Bible school. That's a story to tell us how we're to handle our lives and how we handle our days and our problems and even this epic time that we find ourselves in. God wants to deliver you through the furnace. He needs for you to be governed not by your fears, and they're going to be there, but to choose to allow your faith to swell up and to take over. So I pray that you'll be encouraged by this word, by this, by this study in, in uh, Daniel uh, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and understand that what God did for them, he'll do for you if you just let him. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much today for speaking to us and to teach us how to be governed by faith, not by fear. I pray, Lord, for these that are hearing my voice now, that you will just encourage them <coughs> and grow them <coughs> so that fear is overwhelmed by faith. Thank you for speaking to our hearts today. In the name of Jesus, amen. I pray that you'll have a great week, a great day today, tonight, and throughout this week, and that faith in God will overwhelm and guide you every step of your way. Try that. <clears throat> Try to be governed by faith rather than fear. God bless you. It's good to spend some time with you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you.